If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to continue to walk through this first chapter together. So we will start in verse 21 in a moment. But in this short time in 1 Samuel so far, we have seen what it means to not trust in God, and we've seen what trusting in God actually looks like. Having faith in God is essential to our relationship with God. You must have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. Faith is needed in all areas of life. But what does faith look like in the family? What does faith look like in your particular family? We know that Elkanah and Hannah were not able to have children together. We've seen that. And Elkanah showed his lack of faith by adding a second wife, Peninnah, to the family. And though Peninnah gave Elkanah children which was the purpose of that arrangement, it did cause issues between Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah provoked Hannah, made her feel worthless. Hannah would weep and would not even eat until one day she had enough. She made a decisive action to do something about this. She did what we all should be doing, prayed. She prayed to God. She poured out her soul. She prayed what we described as the Nazarite vow. And she had get, that, that if she was given a son, then she would give him right back to God. This son would serve God for the rest of his life. Hannah longed for a child. It was important that women had children in those days. But she knew praying this prayer, making that type of vow, she would not be able to keep him for long. He would be given back to God to learn in the temple and one day serve God. Today's scripture brings us to the time when Hannah would raise the child for a short time and then give Samuel to God. So let's go ahead and read, starting in verse 21 and reading to the end of chapter 1. Verse 21 says this, The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vows. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with the three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Verse 25. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord had granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we praise you for your word. God, we praise you for who you are. We praise you that Jesus is ours. God, we belong to him. 
God, we thank you for that salvation. God, as we read your word today, as we look to Hannah in the life of Samuel, God, I pray that we would learn, we would grow in our understanding, but God, we would be convicted and encouraged to the point of doing something about it, to make that decisive action, just like Hannah did that we saw last week. God, we pray that your word speaks to our hearts now and move us where we need to be moved, convict us where we need to be convicted. God, we love you, we praise you. In your son's name I pray, amen. First thing we see in our scripture, thinking about Hannah as the focus of this message again today, Hannah prepares Samuel. Hannah prepares Samuel. Go back to verse 21 through 23. Verse 21 says, The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vows. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him only. May the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son. Until she weaned him. So it's the time again, as we've seen time and time again, it is now the yearly time when they would go up to Shiloh, they would give sacrifice, they would worship God, and as many times as that has happened, where in those moments Peninnah would provoke Hannah, and it was in that same time frame, that, that in that same period of time, that um, Hannah finally said enough's enough, and here we are again, now Elkanah's getting ready to take his family back up to Shiloh, Hannah said, I am going to stay this time. She wants to stay and wean Samuel. Now we understand what that means, but in those days, a weaning process took about three years. So it's believed that Samuel was between three to five years old when he was given to God. So imagine, if you will, giving your child up to the Lord between the years of three and five years old. My son's two. It's, it's a little close to home, right? And you imagine asking God for a child and then turning around three to five years later, giving him back up. That is what is happening. Now we will see in a few chapters over where, uh, in chapter three actually, where God begins to call Samuel, right? Y'all know that story and we'll get to it later, but he'll be about 12 years old. So from this time till then, there's, there's a little bit of a gap but in this moment, it is believed that Samuel was around three to five years old. But in that span, she not only weaned Samuel, right? That, that's not the only thing that she would have done during that time. She also would have been preparing Samuel to, be, to serve God. She would be spending those three to five years preparing Samuel for this particular moment. Why do we believe that had to happen? Because she was, had to be obedient to a command that God had already given in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Now watch this last verse, right? You shall teach them diligently to your children. Hannah had already heard this command. This command was given to previous generations and being passed down. Hannah knew that God commanded her to teach the word of God to her child. And so in that time, not only would she be weaning Samuel, 
But she would also be using that time to disciple Samuel. Imagine, again with me, only getting three to five years to disciple, to teach, and to simply love on your child. It's hard to imagine. But she spent her few years doing just that. I know in today's day, it's a blessing. You get 18 years, Lord willing, with your children to disciple them, to love on them, to grow them, right? But I can imagine if we only had three to five years and we were truly trying to be obedient to this command in Deuteronomy 6, we would be urgent in our discipleship. We would be urgent in discipling our children. God, listen, even though it's not three to five years, Lord willing, God only allows you a limited time with your children at home. And then they must be sent out into the world. So my question to you today is this. How are you discipling your kids? How are you discipling your children? How are you teaching God's word to your kids? And maybe you're in here and you don't have children yet. But you need to be already thinking, how am I going to disciple my kids one day? How am I going to raise my children when the time comes? And while 18 years seems like a lot of time, you can ask any of these parents of high school seniors, and they will tell you it's not long enough. Some of you have already been there. You know 18 years is not that long. Parents, God has given you your children to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lord willing, you will have about 18 years to do that. And then you send them into the world. So my question to you is this. What are you filling their time with? Are you making most of the time that you do have? Understand, parents, you spend way more time with your kids everywhere else than you will in church. That's the reality that you face. Is that you will spend more time with your kids everywhere else than you will in church. It's the reality that, that, that we're dealing with, the time strengths that we have. If you brought your family to everything we did at Madden Baptist Church, Sunday school, worship, choir practice, Bible study, and in prayer meetings, you would only be able to spend about five hours a week in church. Five hours a week, roughly, in church with your family. So let's put that into perspective. In a week's time, you get 168 hours. 168 hours in a week. Five hours at most in church. 56 of, those, 56 of those remaining hours, I assume if you get eight hours of sleep, you're going to sleep during that time. Roughly 56 hours of sleep. And then if you work, you go to school, you get another 56 hours. This leaves you with only 51 hours left in a week. Think about that for a moment. 168 hours, and you only get 51 hours with your family outside of church, work, school, and sleep. That's 30% of your week. 30% of your week goes to everything else besides school, work, sleep, and church. It's not a lot of time, is it? God has commanded you to make the most of the time that you have you have to give your kids to raise them under the authority of God's word. And some parents have decided to say, well, if I can't do it, if I just don't have time to do it, the church will do it for me, right? Listen, the church will do everything they can to help you teach your children the word of God, but we are not the primary disciple maker of your children. We're not. You are. 
you will only spend less than 3% of your week at church. Now think about that in reality. You will spend less than 3% of your week in church. Again, it's not a lot. Parents, you need to see the urgency regardless if they're 18 or 2 years old or 6 months old or whatever it is. You need to see the urgency in raising your children in the Word of God. If you don't, someone else will raise your child in their worldview. The reason where we are as a society is because parents have given up their responsibility to lead their children. They become lazy and let other people teach their children. Even if the values don't line up, that's happening all across this world. I cannot stress enough the importance of the time you have with your children. It may not be as small a time as Hannah with Samuel, but when you really break it down, you don't have much time. Teach your kids the Word of God before you have to let them go. And one day, Hannah let Samuel go. Look at what Hannah does in verse 24 and 25. It says, when she weaned him, so the three to five years has passed, right? She took him up, up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. So the time has come. Hannah will give Samuel back to God. Hannah, along with Samuel, brought a sacrifice. This was common that you would give a sacrifice for your firstborn child to the Lord. And when a sacrifice was made, Samuel was given over to Eli. He would learn under the leadership of Eli until the time comes for him to serve in the land for God. But something we don't see yet, but if you know 1 Samuel or if you read ahead in the very next chapter, you will see that Eli is not the greatest of fathers. He has what, what the scripture says, literally at the, the title of, of 1 Samuel 2 verse 12, the title of that section is called Eli's Worthless Sons. Eli has two worthless sons. He's done a terrible job holding them accountable in the church. And knowing this truth, it would be understandable if there was some hesitancy on the part of Elkanah and Hannah, because Elkanah is in this as well. He has to agree to this as well. And he has gone along with this prayer that Hannah made. And I can imagine the hesitancy to give Samuel up to Eli, who can't even control his own house. How can he raise my son if he can't even raise his two sons? It's a legitimate question. So much so that Paul, talking to Timothy, said the requirements for an elder or a deacon was that they should be able to manage their home. It's important to be able to manage your home. So if I'm giving control of my child to Eli, who can't even control their sons, what am I doing? Yes, there's concerns and there's questions, but at some point, Samuel has to be given back to God. At some point, parents, you have to let your children, you have to let your children grow. They have to go into the world. There's a lot of parents that don't want to let go of their kids, and they stay super involved in their lives. And I've seen it hurt marriages. I've seen it hurt families because parents would not be willing to let their children go. What did God tell Adam? A man should leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife. 
We got too many people trying to cling to their spouse, but yet still hold on to their parents. And sometimes the parents are the one holding the grip the tightest. Parents, there is going to come a time when you have to let your children go. You can't keep protecting them from this world. I know you want to. I get it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like my mama still tells me that. It doesn't matter how old you get. I'm still going to do what I can for you. I'm still going to try to protect you, right? Like I get that. That's the instinct of a parent. But at some point you do let them go into the world. They will have to walk into a world that's surrounded by evil. They will have to fight their own battles. They will have to go to the place they know nothing of. That they don't know where it's leading. But parents, this is where you trust in God. This is where you trust in the Lord, that God will watch over them. Listen, Hannah made a vow to God. God gave her the son that she prayed for, and now she had the trust that God would do with Samuel what they agreed upon in the prayer. By looking at Scripture, we know that God would protect Samuel through all that dysfunction, and one day he would bring in the first king of Israel. Right? Like God's got a mighty work in front of Samuel. And we know it because hindsight's 2020. But Hannah and Elkanah are in the moment. They don't know. And all they can do is trust that God is going to do with Samuel what he pleases. All they can do is hold up their end and to train up until the time was to give him back. Maybe the unknown for you is what's next for your child. Maybe God might call them one day when they're in college or when they're figuring out their life plans to serve in missions. Maybe God is calling your child one day to possibly go overseas and serve the needy. Maybe it's possibly working in one of the most dangerous areas around the globe. Maybe God's calling your child into ministry. Maybe God is calling your child down a path different than what you think they should do. Listen, it's scary. I understand. We may not always understand what God's trying to do in the life of our children. But the best place, hear me on this, okay? I don't care how old your child is, whether they are grown with their own kids or you're just getting started. The best place your child can be is in the will of God. What do you think about this for a moment? The best place your child can be is not in the will of what you want for their lives. It's not for them to follow in the path that you decide for them. It is that they be in the will of God. That's where I want my child. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be personally. And that's where I want my child to be. It was God's will that Samuel would grow up in the temple. And if God, that is God's will, then God is going to oversee it. So my encouragement to you parents is that you would trust the will of God. You would trust the will of God for your child. You would give your child to God and leave the results to Him. Last thing we need to be as parents is a hindrance to the will of God. But let's take a deeper look into Hannah's faith for a moment. And I know we've talked about children a lot. and We've talked about parents and I've, you know, talk to you directly, but this message is for us all, no matter where we are in our lives, whether we have children or we don't, whether we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do next after high school, or we're just figuring out how to color in, the, in kindergarten or something, I don't know. We, what it all comes down to is Hannah's faith. Look at verse 26 through 28. 
Verse 6, and she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Let me ask you, where does Hannah's faith come from? What kind of faith does Hannah have? How can she give up her child like that? Hannah did not have blind faith in God. I think sometimes we treat faith as if it is blind. And and yes, certainly there are things that we cannot see that we must have faith in, like creation. We did not see creation take place, but we trust in a creator God. We trust that he created all things according to his will. And certainly we are blind to the things that are to come, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Yes, there are things that are coming. We don't know what it's going to look like. Hannah did not know what was next for her son Samuel. She didn't know how it was all going to turn out based on her knowledge of the future. None of us can predict the future. So where does Hannah's faith come from? It comes from what she already knew about God. Hannah's faith comes in from what she already knew about God, meaning her past experiences. She had already reminded Eli here in verse 26, basically saying, Eli, do you not remember I was that woman that was praying out here? You thought I was drunk, but I was just really in prayer. And then I was praying to God this specific prayer that he would give me a son, and he did. I prayed for a child. God granted me that child, and therefore I'm giving him back to God, Eli. God proven himself to Hannah. Therefore, her faith in giving this child back to God is not based on blind trusting. It's not blind faith. Hannah knows that the Lord has shown his faithfulness, and therefore he will be faithful now. So my question to you today, church, is this. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Well, pastor, I want to have a strong faith. But it's hard to take that step without knowing where my foot's going to land. It's hard to go through that door not knowing what's on the other side. Let me ask you, has God not proven himself faithful to you before? Has he not already proven his faithfulness to you? I want you to take a moment right now. Just really be in this moment with me. I want you to think of all the ways God has been faithful in your life. All the good times, all the bad times, when God has walked you through that, and everything in between, God has been faithful to bless you with so much. Don't you agree? I hope we all can say amen to that. He has given you all that you could ever need. Yes, you have your prayers, you have your burdens. I get it. Life is hard. You're going to have struggles. That's life. You have things going on right now, but you need to be reminded that God of all that God has done for you up to this point. You have a home, you have food, you have a table to eat that food. You may not be rich, but you get by you. You wake up each day. You woke up today. Praise God. You get a new day of mercy to get things right. And Lord knows we've been shown plenty of grace. You are here in this room hearing this message 
God is speaking to you right now. That's called grace. God does not have to do any of that. But He did. And He's doing so now. See, I don't believe in God because I'm blind, right? I don't believe in God because my faith is blind. I'm just guessing. I just think this is how it is. No, I believe in God. This is me personally. I believe in God because He has proven Himself to me. It's not because He gave me a big sign, a big billboard. It's not because He yelled at me from above and got my attention. It's because God has shown Himself in everything in every part of my life. I look at creation and I see a master creator. Creation doesn't just happen by chance like this. Everything is perfectly designed. Sure, sin has messed up a lot, but it had a perfect design because we have a master creator. I see my wife and I say, that's definitely an act of God because Lord knows I'd screwed that up. Amen, guys? Right? The reason I outkicked my covers because it wasn't my leg, but it was the Holy Spirit kicking that football, right? It's an act of God. If it was up to me again, I'd mess it up. I see my child. I see an answered prayer. I see pastor by my name. Lord knows only God can make that happen. That's a miracle, y'all. This is a miracle standing up here. I see my life. And I see forgiven and brand new life that is saved by the grace of God. I don't deserve heaven. And neither do you. We all deserve hell. I deserve hell. We needed Jesus to save us from the path to hell. We needed Jesus to give us new life. And he did through his own life. God has blessed me. And it all started with salvation. And even though I've had some very low moments in my faith, and Lord knows I've had them, God has always been faithful. When we are faithless, He remains faithful. If you take a moment and you look at your life, you would see that God has made His mark all over your life. No, your life's not perfect. right? None of them are. But God has been faithful through it all. This is the motivation that I need to take the next step without knowing where my feet's going to land. It's not about knowing what's on the other side. It's about knowing where you've been. It's about knowing who's been there every step of the way. And because God has been there every step of the way, I can take the next step knowing he's going to continue to walk with me. Right? That's what faith is. That's what faith is about. Maybe God has been asking you to take a step of faith lately and you have yet to pick up your foot. Pick up your foot. Take that step. If that first step is to salvation because you know you're not saved, take that step. If your first step is to do something in ministry, take that step. If your first step is to pray, then you better be praying. If the first step is to do something you never thought you would do, take that step of faith. Faith is not knowing where the next step will land, but knowing the God who is walking with you through it. The God who has walked you through it all will continue to do so as long as you live on this earth. And the day you pass, you will be with Him forever if you're a believer. 
you are a believer, you are no longer absent of God. God will be with you through it all and will be there when you meet him in eternity. Hannah shows us why she is faithful to give up Samuel to the ministry. And she showed us the God that she serves and she worships worships in chapter 2. Read with me her prayer in chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are broken, the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren have borne seven, and she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge to the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. That is the God we serve. And after then, it says that Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Hannah prayed the prayer, reminded herself of who God is and what God is capable of and what God will do when all is said and done. And because of that, because of who she knows God is, she has faith to leave her son, give him to the Lord, and trust that God will take care of him. What's the next step you need to take? Does it need to be simply giving your child to the Lord? Have you been praying for that child you have yet to conceive? Have you trusted in the Lord with your children? I know some of you, that day's coming quicker than later. But for those of us who have young children, it's still coming quickly. Have you been discipling your children as the Lord has called you to do so? Maybe today, you simply need to take that step and trust that the Lord will let your feet plant on solid ground. Maybe today, you realize time is short. I want to encourage you to do something today. If if you feel led to do so, if you are able, then the Lord leads you to do this, I want you to come pray for your family. Maybe your kids are old and grown. They don't live with you anymore. Maybe you've got a young one. Maybe you're in between. If the Lord leads you to do so, I'm going to encourage you to come to this altar on both sides. Pray for your spouse. 
that you would be the disciple makers of your home. Pray for your children and even the children you have yet to meet if you're in that stage. But maybe it's not about children for you. Maybe there is that step of faith you've been needing to take lately, but you haven't been able to take it yet. I encourage you to come to this altar and ask God to help you take that step of faith. That God would remind you of His faithfulness to you up to this point. And if God has been faithful to you up to this point, He will continue to be faithful from here on out. Because He's God and He's good. Where is your faith? Maybe you say today, Pastor, I don't have faith, but I want it. I want a saving relationship with Jesus. I want to be saved today, Pastor. Maybe that's your step of faith. I want to encourage you to take that step out of your pew and come forward. Say, Pastor, I want to be saved. Maybe you've got a lot going on. You just need prayer. I'll be here to pray with you as well. But I want to encourage you. Take a step today. Whether it's to come to this altar and pray. Whether it's to come to salvation. Or it is a metaphorical step. Into something God's been calling you to do for a long time. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for who you are. God, we praise you that you have been faithful through it all. God, you have proven time and time again in my own life how faithful you truly are. So many times, God, you could have given up on me. So many times, God, you could have washed me away, but God, you didn't. Because you remain faithful for your glory and your honor, God. The only reason I'm here right now is because of you, God. So God, I give you praise for it. God, the only reason I have my family is because of you. It ain't because of me, God. God, you have been faithful. You have been good. Help us, God, as parents, to be the disciple makers of our homes. Help us, God, to see that we do need to give our children to you and that when the day comes that we have to let them go into the world, that we would do so without hindrance and trust that you will take care of them. God, I pray for... The seniors in our class, in our church, God, these seniors are about to graduate. God, I pray for their families, that you would help walk alongside them as they let their children go. But God, you, you've been so faithful to us in so many ways, not just in our families, but in so many aspects of life. God, maybe today there's somebody here who needs to be saved. God, I pray you press on their hearts and help them take that next step. God, maybe it is taking a step through a door that they don't know what's behind it. God, maybe it's a, maybe it's a ministry opportunity that they, they, they feel like they need to do, but they're not sure, God. God, help them to make that step today. God, we thank you that Hannah was willing to do this. Hannah was willing to give up her child back to you. And God, we know you did incredible things through Samuel, God, but Hannah didn't know that. She didn't didn't see that in that moment. But her faith in you allowed her to know it was going to be okay. God, help us to see that today. Speak to us now. Move us where we need to be moved. And it is in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen.